When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Analyst Inside Cricket, looking ahead to the Cricket World Cup. So it's, I suppose you'd call it, a Cricket World Cup preview really, and we're going to go through each country in turn with two special guests today. Sam Mooreshead, who is in charge of the Cricketer Online site and has won an award actually recently as the, the best online coverage of domestic cricket from the ECB. Sam Mooreshead, and we've also got Will Gunn. Now, you've got a, a great name, actually, named after a fantastic famous cricketer, William Gunn, of course, and you are the senior cricket trader at leading spread betting company, Sporting Index. So welcome to, to Will and to Sam. I should also mention that the Cricketer Magazine special World Cup preview edition is out shortly, and it covers every country in full, of course, as well as the tournament overall. So look out for that, and you can get three free issues of the Cricketer magazine if you go to thecricketer.com. So that is a, an offer you can't afford to miss. Right, so looking ahead to the Cricket World Cup, which of course begins on May the 30th, with England against South Africa, and we're going to sort of start in reverse order, really. We're going to start with what we probably think is the, the least fancied team and then move on to the, the most fancied team sort of later in the show. So we're going to start with Afghanistan. And, I mean, they actually have had a reasonable run of, of success in One Day Internationals over the last three or four years, a win rate of 53.3%. So pretty decent, although quite a lot of those victories have been against fairly uh, junior countries like Ireland and Zimbabwe and so on. So in actual fact, they're probably not, one of the teams that are going to be highly successful. And I wonder, Sam, whether one of the reasons for that is they've got some superb mystery bowlers like Rashid Khan and also Majib Rahman, but maybe they haven't got an awful lot to back them up. And also, they're very good in T20, but maybe not so good in the longer format. Well, I think this World Cup is going to be the, the opportunity for us to see how good they can be in 50-over cricket. They've come a long way since the last World Cup. Obviously, we know them as being an improving nation in T20. But Rashid Khan definitely can do it in ODI cricket as well. He is a wonderful bowler. He brings a huge amount to that team. Um, and to suggest that will he cut it, will he not? I mean, we know that he can cut it, but you are right. Do they have the seam power to back up their, their spin assets? And that, as yet, is, is unknown, I think, on, on the elite stage. I'm interested to see how that goes. So, Will, uh, looking at the, the bowling lineup for Afghanistan, for instance, Rashid Khan would be one where you'd, you'd put a, a high premium on putting some money on him to do well, I guess. Yeah, definitely, that's correct. Um, I think the thing that's going to be interesting with Rashid Khan is how teams decide to play him. We've seen quite often that teams can look to sit on Rashid's 10 overs and maybe might not take as many wickets as the others, but his economy rate will be really good. We've got his total tournament wickets priced at 14-15. So if you think that he's likely to take more than 15 wickets over that time, then you could be a buyer there. Uh, also, just to note with Afghanistan, on the outright index, that's 100 points for finishing first, 
50 points for finishing second and 25 points for finishing third. Uh, we are one free Afghanistan. So if you fancy wishing, yeah, one, yeah. Um, so if you if you sold at one and they didn't come in the top three, then you would win one point. And if you bought at three uh, and ended up winning the tournament, you'd win ninety seven points on that one. So if if you fancied them to, it's a real worth a real flutter. Yeah, then, yeah. If, if you fancy the Rashid to spin them to glory, then yeah, that that might be an interesting one to to look at. I mean, I suppose what worries me about <coughs> Afghanistan, Sam, is that as you mentioned, have they got much to back up the the spin? Mm. Uh, certainly in terms of seam. They've got a new captain, Gulbadin Nabi, who is a seam bowler but has never really captained them before much. Mm. And and the batting, you just feel, has it got the depth to make big scores in 50 overs? Oh, big scores, yeah, that's that's tricky. They've certainly got the impact players at the top of the order to come and, and score some, some massive runs if they get in. The, the sort of players like Zazai, like Shazad, that can score really quickly at the top of the order but will they be able to stay in for long enough to turn those quick runs into big runs in a tournament that you think you're going to need 300 at least in the, in the majority of games to, to win them when batting first? Do they have enough depth in the middle order? Rashid Khan can do it himself, um, and they do have some proven batsmen in, in ODI cricket, but maybe not quite as explosive as you might want people like Joss Butler in the England side, Andre Russell in the West Indies team, people who can come in and end an innings with 70 off the last five overs so there's it's a sort of strength in depth question not from Afghanistan as cricketers but more against such such good teams that they're playing Mm. Um, can they quite stack up are they quite at that level yet I mean it's fascinating because we don't know for sure but they're going to play every single one of of the elite nations um, in the space of five weeks. So afterwards, we'll know, really, can they cut it consistently? I really like Mohamed Nabi, actually. I'm talking of, of somebody who can finish an innings well. Very powerful batsman. Not so good if you bowl quick and short at him. So I think maybe teams will, will, will look to target the, the short ball against actually a lot of those Afghanistan players because they just haven't had the experience of playing 90 miles an hour plus. They don't have that kind of thing in their own country. So a long shot for Afghanistan, but you know, credit to them in a way for, for getting into the tournament at all, given uh, the background to their qualification. So interesting to see how they go. Let's move on to the, what I suppose our ninth least fancied team in a way, Bangladesh, who now 20 years as a a one-day side, having uh, had that amazing performance in the 99 World Cup, also the last time it was in England. Um, Bangladesh, for me, actually look a bit old, actually. I, I feel that They've got a core of players who are experienced. And you could say, well, experience is a good thing. But I wonder if the age of them might be counterproductive. So I'm talking here, Saki Balthasan, Tami Mikbal, Mushrik Fika Rahim. And the captain, it's still captain, Mushrafi Mortaza. So, Will, uh, how, how do you look at Bangladesh? Uh, well, yes, yeah, following on from what you're saying, it's interesting. Shakib Balthasan actually uh, had to retire her yesterday, pulled a, a side, had a side strain. Um, so that kind of highlights your point to do with the age. Can they compete in the whole tournament? Will Mashrafi be able to bowl for his ten overs in every single game at the level that is required? And I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they, he will be able to do that. Um, on the outright market, we've got Bangladesh at two four, so slightly more favoured than Afghanistan, but but not by much. It all revolves around Shakib for them. Now he's batting at number three, um, and his ten overs are going to have to go for mid-30s or even less possibly for them to have a chance really. Mm. So as long as he pulls through fit, um, I think he's going to be the key man for them in the tournament. I like um, Mehdi Hassan, the off-spinner, who who really tortured England in the Test Series a couple of years ago. Young 19-year-old then, 21 now. Quite a talented cricketer, but have they got anybody else? Well, I would point out that they've they've had a reasonable last few years. I mean, they got to the Mm. Asia Cup final, which, you know, it's not... an achievement that should be sort of dim- diminished by the fact that maybe some other results haven't gone their way. They had a, a series victory over the West Indies as well. Now, the, there's some results there that suggest that maybe they can cause an upset or two, but in this format, this really quite daft World Cup format, an upset or two isn't good enough. You need to win five games, probably, maybe six, mm. to get through into those top four, and they're not going to do that. So regardless of the quality of cricketers that they have in there, and they, obviously they do have some good and high-quality cricketers, 
I just can't see them winning enough games. Mm. And I think also with Afghanistan and Bangladesh and possibly even Pakistan as well, fielding will prove to be their undoing. Uh, you've just got to be so sharp. You've got to, you can't have a weak link in the outfield. You've got to pull off those relay catches and, and all those diving stops and so on. So I just think perhaps from a fitness and fielding point of view, Bangladesh and Afghanistan might be a little bit below par. Their win ratio, 51% since the last World Cup. So... You know, they're winning slightly more games than they're losing, but that's not really a a huge uh, recommendation. Okay, so let's move on to our eighth least favoured team, Sri Lanka. And they're actually bottom of the list in terms of win ratio over the last four years. Only 27% of their matches have ended in victory uh, in the last few years for Sri Lanka. They're a team in turmoil, really. Obviously, they they can welcome back a, a player like Angela Matthews, a, a tremendous cricketer, but they've got a new captain, Dinesh Kunaratni, who hasn't ever captained a, a one-day international before and hasn't played in a one-day international for four years. So you sort of feel they have got some talent, but are they going to click? What do you think, Will? I think the interesting thing there um, with Karunaratna, um is his role in the team. So for quite a while now, Sri Lanka have been bundled out very cheaply because they've got so many aggressive players at the top of the order. Nirishan Dikwela, who's been left out for this tournament, Kusal Pereira. So the role of Karuna Ratna here for, to anchor the innings for them is going to be crucial for them in the tournament, I think. Mm. Um, and we've got his total tournament runs priced up at 280-300, and I think he's going to have to score quite a few more than that. Than that. If uh, if Sri Lanka are going to do well, the thing is he's got to score those runs quickly. Yeah, and for all his quality, and he's been a fantastic in the Test format over the last eighteen months. He doesn't score his runs quickly, and Sri Lanka are going to need, as we keep coming back to it, three hundred, three twenty to win games to get into the top four, which I can't see them doing. Where are those quick runs going to come from? Maybe it would have been Nirish and Dick Weller's role to do that in the past. It's, it's a travesty that he's not there. He's such an entertainer and real shame that he's not part of the squad. But um, it, just a curiosity in selection there. You know, the, the only country where the sports minister gets the ultimate sign-off on the World Cup squad and you come up with something a little bit iffy. I don't think that I would want the Sri Lankan sports minister in charge of my cricket team. That's for sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always a, a team that, that surprise you, but they've been surprising in their total disorganisation, actually, in the last year or so and what does Sporting Index say about them overall then? Uh, so we, we're the same price as Bangladesh there we're 2 and 4 for Sri Lanka 2 to sell 4 to buy um, and yeah because of the format I think it's quite unlikely they'll break into the top 3 Right now we're on to the proper contenders here with Sam Moore's head of the Cricketer Online and Will Gunn from Sporting Index West Indies actually a poor record over the last few years, 27% win ratio, but that's that's picked up perhaps in the last few months with one or two of these players, these power players coming back into the team. In fact, Andre Russell, who had a stunning IPL, hasn't really played a, a one-day international for the West Indies for a while, but he's going to be an absolute racing certainty for their first 11, and obviously Gale there as well. I mean, I, I'd be... Slightly intimidated, I think, if I was a bowler playing against the West Indies. They are dangerous. Oh, they are massively dangerous. Um, they've got big power hitters all the way down the order, and Gale can get you on any day. Gale could easily have a day where he scores 200-plus, and that could be it. You're done for the game. So they're a very, very dangerous team. Uh, Sports Index, we've got them priced at 14-17, so it's quite a big jump up from the bottom three up to West Indies next. Um, and an interesting market I, f- I thought we had that you could look for the with, with the West Indies is the total tournament sixes. So we're priced uh, 70-73 there. So we think that it could be hitting... Seven a game. Yeah, seven a game or more. Um, and at some of the smaller grounds like Taunton and, and the road at Trent Bridge, um, there could be some really big makeups there. Um, and just one point on a player, I think, is, as you mentioned, Andre Russell. Um, towards the back of the IPL, he, he was a bit injured. Um, he went down a few times, so it'll be interesting to see if he can do what he's done in 20-over cricket and put that into one-day stuff where he may have to bowl 10 overs and he may have to bat for a longer period of time. Mm, I think that's a good point, actually. The other thing, Sam, I'd say about the West Indies is then they're, they're going to obviously pulverise a few bowling attacks, but they might have their own attack also decimated because... They haven't got anyone you sort of think, oh, I really respect that bowler. I mean, Shannon Gabriel bowls quick and Kemar Roach is, is very experienced, good bowler against left-handers. But 
especially their spin department, yeah. you feel is you know it's a license to print runs. Yeah, Ashley Nurse is not one of those bowlers who you can think will either be a strike bowler or will be able to go through the middle overs, keeping it under lock and key at one end. It, it feels like there'll be an opportunity in that West Indies attack for ten runs of carnage when they're playing against some of the top teams. But I think that we shouldn't play down their seam attack too much. There's a lot of, of genuine pace there. There's a little bit of intelligence towards the death too, um, as you mentioned with Kamar Roach. Uh, there's a lot of entertainment value with Sheldon Cottrell and he can get under people's skin quite easily. Obviously he didn't with Joss Butler in the West Indies and we all enjoyed that battle. But <laughs> there's something about him that, that you sort of, as a, as a batsman, you can imagine getting riled up and maybe giving your wicket away as a result. I mean, I'm a big fan of this West Indies team. I, I can't wait to go and see them. I think I'm covering a couple of their games. Um, and and I think that anyone who's got a ticket for to see West Indies in this World Cup is going to get the next best entertainment value after an England game. Wear a hard hat when you go and watch the West Indies. <laughs> Wear, would be my particularly in their opening game against Pakistan at Trent Bridge in the baseball-shaped ground. It's just... Um, I don't know what your your runs market is going to be for that game if West Indies bat first, but that's going to be big. Yeah, it, it could be. 330, 340, it could be absolutely huge. It could make up anything there at that ground. And sixes could be through the roof as well. So that'll be an interesting one to look out for. That I game. think sixes will be over the roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Sheldon Cottrell clearly has the best wicket celebration in the entire cricket world. So, Is it as well, not, not so. getting a little bit old now? See, every time, does he, does he need to bring it out when it, like England are 413 for... Five or whatever it was. Well, you've got to stick to you know, got to stick to your guns, haven't you? You've got to carry on as you start. Did you stick to to your same celebration (laughs) the whole way through? I didn't have one. (laughs) It's more of a commiseration. (laughs) Okay, so uh, West Indies will certainly be interesting if if nothing else. Uh, We don't see them as leading contenders, but they certainly could uh, take a few scalps with them. New Zealand, we've got at at six in our list. an unknown quantity, I suppose, uh, quite consistent, 56% win ratio recently, 43 wins, 30 losses in the last three years, uh, very astutely led by Kane Williamson, uh, some experience there, Martin Guptill, Ross Taylor, I like uh, Mitchell Santner actually as a cricketer, left-hander, hits the ball miles, very clever bowler as well, they've got some quite quick pace bowlers as well, looking out for Lockie Ferguson, very athletic, fast bowler who had quite quite a decent IPL. Colin Munro, a pugnacious batsman. So there's quite a lot there actually for for, for New Zealand. What's the what Sporting Index take on them? Yeah, so we, we've actually got uh, New Zealand quite well fancied. We're eighteen twenty two, um, so we've got them kind of for finishing, almost creeping into the top three possibly. Um, and yeah, as players you mentioned before, they've got Kane Williamson, loads of experience. Martin Guptill who I think is the key for them in the tournament, really. If he has a really good tournament and scores loads of runs, then likely New Zealand will have a really good tournament because he'll get them fast. As you've mentioned as well, with the pace attack, Trent Bolt, Lockie Ferguson, Matt Henry, who's done well in England uh, last season. So there's plenty to like about New Zealand. The, The one thing that I do worry about them is their middle order. So it looks like there'll be Jimmy Neesham and Colin de Grandhomme, who are both bits and pieces types of players. Yeah, they can be devastating with the bat and they can get for a few overs but can they do it consistently enough throughout the tournament that they'll need to for New Zealand to go far I'm not so sure well New Zealand like batting in England their their, uh, their overall runs in 2015 was substantial they come here and the thing about New Zealand is they're so consistent with their selection now, apart from England I can't think of another side that is is so consistent with the players that it's been using. It's got an, an elite core. Maybe one or two have come in that haven't played so much. Tom Blundell is probably the, the one out of this group that hasn't had that much game time leading up to the World Cup. But the rest of them, they know each other's game. They work so well for each other. They complement each other perfectly in terms of the, the types of bowlers that they are, mixing up the swing of bowls and the pace of Ferguson. There's, they've got a little bit of everything. Um I, I think that they are genuine contenders uh, to make not only the the top four, but to make the final because they could be any team mm. in the world on their day. And so in a semi-final situation, they could be England, they could be India. So therefore, you have to think, well, you have to consider them also as genuine World Cup contenders, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I probably it might boil down to self-belief in the end. And that, that's where someone like Brendan McCullum in the past was such a, a vital asset to them because he just 
went forth and and just multiplied basically and uh, he, he was such a kind of uh, a visionary and a, a, a fearless sort of cricketer so if they have that fearlessness yeah that could be dangerous I think what one extra interesting point there is who's going to open the batting with Martin Guptill. Mm. They've tried a few different things. Most recently, it's been Henry Nichols, um, and if it's either, it's either him or Colin Munro really for that top spot, and that completely changes the, their side. I think because obviously Munro's a lot more dashing, um, scores his runs really quickly. Whereas Nichols is a bit more methodical and scores his runs slower. So I think uh, like an interesting market Sporting Index has here. Uh, is New Zealand's aggregate first 15 over runs throughout the tournament. So that's how many runs they'll score in the first 15 overs of each game. Could be something to look at if you think that Munro's going to play a lot of the tournament. You could be looking to buy this market. If you think that Nichols is likely to play a lot of the tournament, they might go a bit slower in the first 15 overs, so you could be looking to sell. So we've got that priced at 755 770 to buy. Um, so I think that's an interesting market there. We, we actually think that it'll be Henry Nichols who opens, but there could be a loss of form. Munro could come back in and... Although he didn't look great in the IPL, Munro, and he's not been great for the last year or so, he's still a devastating batsman on his day and could easily take a side apart. OK, well, that's the uh, the bottom five likely winners, if you like. Now we're going to look at the top five. We're previewing the Cricket World Cup here with Sam Mooreshead from the Cricketer Magazine Online and also Will Gunn from Sporting Index. And I should just mention, by the way, what the format of the Cricket World Cup is. Ten teams, obviously. Each team plays the other, so nine games in total. And the top four progress to the semi-finals at the end of the group stage. Two points for a win. And then if the teams are level on points at the end, it's net run rate that will decide which team goes through. Okay, so we've looked at the bottom five, if you like, to to call them that. Uh, Now we're going to look at the the five most likely to win the Cricket World Cup, starting with Pakistan, who, of course, are at the moment in progress with a a one-day series against England. And they've uh, borne the brunt of some brilliant England batting so far. And I suppose Pakistan, for me, that's their weak link, is that although they've got quite aggressive fast bowlers... Actually, they're all quite short. Uh, they're not. They haven't got anybody tall or anybody really rapid. And on flat English pitches, without any really clever mystery spinners, I feel that they're just going to go the distance. Their bowlers. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. Um, that a lot of the attack has become quite samey. Obviously, they did so well at the Champions Trophy in 2017. And Hassan Ali had a great tournament, and he's one who can rival your Sheldon Cottrell celebration with his. Uh, his big boom when he gets his wickets. Um, so I think they're going to need him to stand up and be counting and have a big tournament. Also, one of the young bowlers, Shahina Freedy, um, they're going to need him to do really well, I think. And yeah, like you say, the, the spin department in terms of mystery spin-wise isn't as strong as it has been. But I really like Shadab Khan. Mm. Um, and obviously he's been missing in this series against England. And I think he can actually glue that attack together quite well. So from a personal point of view, I, I quite fancy Pakistan to do well. I think that they would be silly not to add Azif Ali to the squad. Um, he's not in the squad at the moment, but I think he certainly will be added to the squad, if not added to the team by the time the tournament starts, um, because I think he gives them that explosive power down the order that, they, that they've lacked in, in recent years. Um, so, yes, from a pricing point of view, uh, Sporting Index have got uh, Pakistan at fourteen seventeen, so that's the same price as the West Indies. And from a player point of view, as, as I mentioned, Hassan Ali, uh, we've got his total tournament wickets priced up at fifteen sixteen, and I fancy he's going to need to take a few more than sixteen if uh, if Pakistan are to go far. Certainly, an explosive batting order. Fakhar man, uh, pretty uh, vicious striker of the ball. I like Baba Azam as well, who's a stylish player and has been up at the top of the the batting rankings in the short format of the game. Sam? Yeah, I mean, Babar Azam in T20 is extraordinary. I mean, averaging over 50 is just quite remarkable. Whether or not he can continue and make those hundreds, hundreds and fifties, I'm not so sure. But they have shown Fakhar once. Also, Imam al-Haq at Bristol, which was an absolutely brilliant century. Possibly the most elegant that I've seen this summer in in the ODI arena. Um, Means they do have runs, yes. But they've also got to somehow keep a lid on people who score big runs as well. Uh, Shaheen Afridi will be crucial. He has got the slight extra few inches compared to the rest of the attack. But he's young and 
he does seem to lose his way occasion during spells. He definitely lost his way in Bristol. He then transferred into the field. He dropped an absolute sitter and started getting moved around the pitch by the captain, who obviously saw that maybe he was a bit fragile on the day. So, But, you know, that will happen with a young bowler. It's whether or not he can stand up in those pressure cooker environments when you've got to defend a small, smaller target in the tournament. Um, I think Shadab Khan, as mentioned, is, is huge, the fact that he is fit and will be able to play. Um, because looking at what's been happening in this series so far, Imad Wazim, Yasser Shah just haven't offered the containment that maybe Shadab will be able to. Uh, it, and again, it's going to come down to spin bowling a lot of this World Cup, even though we're in England and we'd previously always expected to be who's going to swing the ball the most, who's going to get the most movement on the pitch. It's going to be mm. who's going to be the strike spinner and how many teams have got the spinner that will be able to contain and go under sixes through the middle and, of the And take wickets, of course, as well, because... There's no doubt. I mean, people have asked me about the, the pitches and the, the conditions in, in this World Cup. Two things. Firstly, the pitches will be flat, almost universally flat. They are going to not have used pitches. They're not going to have pitches which will turn very much at all. And secondly, the ball does not move. It, the white the kookaburra ball does absolutely nothing except in the most overcast conditions, uh, very damp sort of surface or something. But we're not going to have that. So I can't see that any team that has just fairly medium-paced bowlers and ordinary spinners is going to get very far. You've got to have extreme pace and genuine mystery spin, which means your Rashid Khans, your Adil Rashids, people who can bowl a googly, which is much harder to pick with a white ball than it is with a red ball. Will, um, any players to pick out from, from Pakistan? Yeah, so I think it was interesting, as Sam mentioned, Imam Ulhaq, who's scored a brilliant century the other day, averages over 60 in the 27 games. He's played with 600s in there, and he's actually proved now that he can score those 100s quickly because there was quite a lot of chat before um, in the lead-up to this World Cup that he was potentially on the chopping block because he just wasn't scoring fast enough. Um, but he showed at Bristol that he, he definitely can score, score the rate required. And we've got his total tournament runs in at 375, 395. And if he's scoring 600s in 27 matches, then that that could be one to go for. Okay. well, the Pakistan win ratio the last three or four years is 46%. So generally, not a very consistent team. Okay, down to the top four. I suppose these four countries are the ones that we probably think will get to the semi-finals. South Africa, Australia, England and India. South Africa, 63% win ratio recently. Very good at home. Not perhaps so good away from home. Good bowling attack. Uh, Kagiso Rabada, I really like. Obviously, very high, highly valued in all formats of the game and actually had a brilliant IPL, though he had to come back early through injury. I think that was more of a, just a precaution than anything else. Uh, you like Will uh, Ngidi, don't you? I do. I've, I've been a massive fan of uh, Lungi Ngidi um, since he's burst onto the scene. I think he's a vital part of that attack. I think that South Africa attack, uh, the three frontline seamers and the spin of Imran Tahir is, is going to do really well over here and I think it's the best attack in the tournament. Lungi Ngidi averaging close to two wickets a game um, and I think that if he can break partnerships in the middle and also bowl well at the death, then they'll go really well in this tournament. So, a question with South Africa is, can they get enough runs, I suppose? Yeah, and they're blessed with some natural firepower at the top of the order in Quentin de Kock, who is probably their standout batsman at the moment by quite a considerable distance, even when you throw Faf Duplessis and Hashim Amla into the, into the equation. So there's, there's a lot of class there. Um, I'm not naturally sold that this is a team that's going to be hitting 350 on a regular basis, but it's certainly a team that can get to 300. So then it's down to how good their seam attack can be Mm. and how consistently can that seam attack be picked, their first-choice seam attack. Obviously, Dale Stay and Kagisa Rabada have both been struggling through injury. They've already lost Andrik Norchi as well. So if injuries come into play, will they be able to defend the totals that that batting lineup can put? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so I think a lot will depend on, on how much Kadisa Rabada and hmm. Dale Stain can play over the course of the summer. You know, 11 games potentially in seven weeks, it's a lot to ask of a body that's faltering. Yeah, I I think that I just I worry about their batting. You see, someone like Hashim Amla, now does he score at the rate? You know, you look at the, the, the fastest scorers in 
50 over cricket now. They're going at a strike rate of 118. And most of the South Africans, and in fact many of the players that we're talking about here, are under 100. You've got to sustain that, that scoring rate of 6.3, 6.4 and over. Otherwise, I don't think you're going to be competitive on these pitches. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I'm, I'm not sure that they have enough power down the whole order for them to be able to really post 300 plus. Um, you're going to rely a lot on De Kock, like we've already discussed, um, and Faf Duplessis is going to have, to have a very big tournament and lead the team really well if they're to break into the top four. Uh, we've got South Africa priced at 18.22, um, so that's similar sort of price to New Zealand. Chances to break into the top four, but by no means guaranteed. They're going to have their big players are going to have to stand up and be counted. Yeah, of course, the old. Um word choker always always resurfaces whenever South Africa play in a, a big tournament. Well, it's, it's a moot point whether they are or not, but for me, it's someone like David Miller sort of encapsulates South Africa. He's got so much talent, and yet he rarely delivers. So uh, if he does, actually somebody like him, he could be the answer to them getting those scores of 350 because he's such a powerful striker of the ball, but he doesn't seem to do it that consistently. OK, let's move on to the, the top three. I think that the, the, the final is going to be decided by two out of these three teams, Australia, England and India. Australia, who a year ago were an absolute rabble, obviously uh, partly as a result of the, the Sam Papergate scandal and the ramifications of that. But since then, they've really come back quite strongly, beating India, for instance, in India, having lost the first two one-day internationals. Still only a win ratio of 48% in the last three or four years, which is obviously not as good as they would hope. But I think they're just sort of coming back into the mix. And once they get all their fast bowlers fit uh, and ready, they could be dangerous, they could be be contenders to win, I reckon. Yeah, Australia, that result in India was completely from nowhere um, and their price has moved dramatically because of that they've been backed in from a very big price before the India series to now we've got them at 33-37 for the tournament which is not far off what we've got the India price so that kind of tells you how they've uh, progressed in the last year my one worry with them is similar to the South Africa attack uh, can the Australia seamers be able to play the whole tournament so Mitchell Stark, can he get through all the games and then still be fit and firing for the knockout games if Australia get there? And the same can be said for Pat Cummins. Um, but if those two are fully fit for the whole tournament and bowl as well as they can do, then Australia are definitely massive contenders, especially with uh, Warner and, and Smith. Steve Smith back yeah. as well now. So mm. um, they're definitely one to watch. They're very dangerous. And Aaron Finch has, has recovered his form, actually, in the, in the last couple of months, having had a, a poor run before Christmas. My point about the Aussies, and it goes back to this thing we've been discussing all along, really, about spin. You know, they've got Adam Zampa and they've got Nathan Lyon. And Nathan Lyon's a canny bowler, but is Adam Zampa really good enough to take middle-over wickets and, and just cause problems? For me, he's not. I think I think they offer more in the spin department than say South Africa offer between I know that there's Tahir, but if you've got Zampa and Lyon, I feel like you're gonna have more chance of containing a team than if you've got Shamsi and, and Tahir playing in the same side. Um I think they've got more in the spin department probably than Pakistan as well. Um just from a, a control and a know how and not you know, it's not necessarily strike bowling, spin bowling, but it's intelligent, it's ability to contain it, to mix your paces, to get some get through the air in a different way, uh, to try and beat people in the flight, uh, the the adjustment of angles. I think that they do have something there which maybe some of those other sides which are pushing in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth in our rankings maybe don't have. But is this a bubble? Are they going through a wave at the moment of, of good results after a wave of bad results? Um, how much is reliant on Aaron Finch firing at the top of the order? I suggest not quite as much now that David Warner comes back, presuming that they do put him opening and not well, at three, to. which they, they have the to. conversation <laughs> some quarters that you know with Kawaja around that they could open with him I, and have I, Warner at three, which would be yeah. madness. Yeah, I, I think that would be madness. Um, so they've, they've got all the potential there. There's a couple of curiosities with their their squad selection in that there's not a backup wicketkeeper. Um, what happens if Alex Carey goes down with something? Obviously, they'd have to bring someone in, I guess. Um, but if he's got a small niggle for one game or two games, you're not going to get him out of the squad to bring in another keeper. So who who takes the gloves in that in that situation? 
no Ashton Turner. Mm. Love to see Ashton Turner at mm. a World Cup. Um, and that is, that's the sort of finishing the big runs, the butler at tight innings towards the end of end of end of a game. Um, so there's some some parts of me that's saying this team looks formidable, and there's some part of me that's saying this team looks a little bit fallible. So I, I'm not sure. I'd be really interested to see how they do against New Zealand, against uh, West Indies. Um, those two particularly, those two, those two games, or those games involving those three nations are, are going to be really, really fascinating. Formidable or fallible, Australia, for you, well, kind of, Yeah, following on from that, I think the key could be their two all-rounders. Glenn Maxwell, we know how powerful he is with the bat. Can he do a job with the ball? I'm not sure. Um, and then Marcus Stoinis as well. So we've got Maxwell at five and Stoinis at six. Are they consistent enough to get them to the big scores? Marcus Stoinis it seems a bit of a bits and pieces selection. He's going to have to try and bowl seven, eight overs, the rest made up by Maxwell. Uh, and then with the bat, I'm not sure he's really proved that, that he can do it over the last year or so. So I think the key for them is those, those two in the middle because I think the top four of Finch, Kawaja, Warner and Smith you can guarantee that someone's someone's going to stand up in a game, but have they got the finishing power? And have is that fifth bowler good enough mm. to not go for a hundred plus? That's that'll be the interesting thing with Australia, I think. And where are they rated then? Uh, yeah, so we've got them rated at thirty three, thirty seven. So uh, yeah, like I said, they're closer to India um, than they are to New Zealand and South Africa. Um, so we'd be expecting them to get into the top four, really. Okay, let's get on to the top two most likely winners of this tournament, India and England. India actually have the slightly better win ratio over the last four years, 65%. England just below that at 64%, but England have bludgeoned virtually every team into submission over the last couple of years and haven't lost a one-day series in that time. They lost to India in India, but that was more than two years ago. India themselves, I don't know, it's funny, I mean, obviously they are very strong favourites to win the title, they've done it before, they've got the best one-day batsman in the world, Virat Kohli, they've got an absolute array of, of stroke players, but actually, if you look closely, Will, their strike rates of those batsmen, only one of them in the top six has a strike rate of over 100, and that is Kedar Yadav, of 102, a strike rate of 102. The others are all striking at between 90 and 95, the likes of Rohit Sharma, Shikhar Dawa and Kohli himself. And I just think that they're a bit conservative as a batting order. They're good, obviously, they're classy, they're very consistent, but are they capable of getting those really big scores? Yeah, so completely right there. I think that they're quite top-heavy, India. Um, so Rohit, Shikhar Darwan. And then Virat Kohli are obviously they're all, all three of them are world class. Darwin's been fantastic in England. Rohit's an unbelievable one day batsman, and Virat Kohli's obviously the best batsman in the world. Um, but then after that, I'm not sure how much they have to come. We've possibly got Vijay Shankar batting at number four, um, and then MS Dhoni and Kader Jadav, who can score quickly when they want to, but they don't necessarily do it on a regular basis. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of targets uh, India look to set and how much they back their bowling attack to defend them. Um, they've got the best bowler in the world, in my opinion, Jasprit Bumrah. Um, and they've got two good spinners as well in Ravindra Jadeja. And, uh, that is and the commentator's Kobe. curse, that, by the way. It's one of the worst. It's only slightly better than Ajay Jadeja, who was even worse. And people always got that as a, a completely twisted round. Ravid Jadeja, just yeah, keep, keep Ra- it short. Ravid's easier. Yeah, it's much easier. He, he's, he's an absolute sort of uh, part of the furniture for the Indian team. But I'm not actually convinced about their other spinners. I, I don't know. I, I think that Chahal is... You know, okay, but I, he's he's disappeared a bit in England. And the other one, Kuldeep Yadav, I think has had a, suffered a little bit of a crisis of confidence in the last month, uh, having been pumped around in the uh, the IPL. So I'm not sure about their spin attack. Actually, obviously, Bumrah a fantastic bowler, but to me, Sam. They're going to have to get very big scores to compensate for their bowling attack. I think, like England, India will be looking to chase as much as they possibly can do in this World Cup um, and rely on those top three to, to give them the platform to, to go on and make those chases. Um, MS Dhoni is, is an interesting one uh, for that reason. In that historically, he's been the one to finish the job for India, um, but his strike rates over the past couple of years haven't been up there with his career. It's highs. under eighty actually now in the which, last year or two, which is which is bizarre. Yeah, he can still pop up with some of the knocks that we saw in the IPL for Chennai. That he is actually he's, st- he's still there. It's almost like he 
he's turning the tap on and off deliberately as to when he wants to show it. And I guess a guy like that possibly can do it and get away with it and keep the gloves. It still surprises me that Rashad Pant didn't make that squad, but I guess when you've got a guy like Doni, he has to be feel, made to feel like king, maybe, <laughs> yeah, um, and not have that breathing down his neck. But that, that, that inclusion of Pant would have given them not just firepower, but consistency of run getting. Whereas they've got people like Hardik Pandya in the middle order and Jadeja, who can go and get quick runs, but aren't going to go and get big runs like potentially Pant can. As for their spin attack, I've got a little bit more confidence in it than, than you do, I think. I think uh, it's one of the better uh, spin units in the competition. And I wouldn't be surprised if some games we saw all three of them playing at once. Um, we're gonna, mostly we're going to see two spin bowling attacks um, in the competition. But I wouldn't be surprised to have them all playing. It's a bit of everything. It is the mystery, regardless of whether he has been pumped around. A bit, and he has been pumped around a bit. Cool, the, yeah, that, he's got the mystery that, that you're looking for. Um, the disguised deliveries, the variation, the way of confusing a batsman. Um, so I, I've got a little bit more confidence, but I just, I just enjoy watching all of them bowl, to be honest. Um, hmm. They've got the runs. They've got Jasper Bumrah. England are better. So it's just it's two great teams. One of them's going to win the tournament. And what does what Sporting Index say about that? Yeah, so we've got India at 39-43. So we've got them kind of midway in between Australia and England. Um, England have kind of pulled away from them recently with these results against Pakistan. Uh, I think one interesting market to look at, as you mentioned, Hardik Pandya, uh, Sam. Um, we've got his all-rounder performance market at 445-465. So that is 10 points per catch, 1 point per run, and 20 points per wicket. And he's going to be expected to bowl 10 overs pretty much every game, and he's going to be expected to come in and finish the innings. So I think that's, that could be a good one to look at, possibly, if, you, if you'd like to have an interest on the game. Uh, Hardik Pandya was absolutely devastating in the IPL. Um, scored at a ridiculous rate, was hitting the ball out of the ground, some of the biggest grounds in the world. So he's going to be a key for them, I think. He's, there's nothing of him either. He's a spindly chap, actually, but he does hit the ball miles. You're quite right. Who do you have as the lead, the potential leading run scorer in the tournament? I, I actually quite like Johnny Bairstow, hmm. I think. Um, I, Coley will be up there. Uh, he's just, his consistency is just absolutely insane. Um, I think that Bairstow, because of the freedom he'll be allowed to have, uh, I think that he's got the potential to go and make big scores, whereas Coley, there's a little bit more pressure on him to do well because the rest of the batting isn't quite as strong. So he may have to not anchor the innings as such, but he'll have to be a little more cautious than he could be. The thing that I would say with that is that he's going to come in at three, and India against some of the sides towards the bottom of, of the table, he could be coming in at 200 for one. Yep. Um, and Sharma and Dewan could have yep. gone and got all the runs and give him not quite as much of a chance. Whereas, as you mentioned, Burstow. David Warner to Aaron Finch against these equivalent attacks. Even Quentin de Kock has the chance of destroying these attacks at the very top of the order. So I think an opener, I would always prefer to look at an opener for those sort of markets. And, and yeah, best of, but I mean, my, my pick personally is Warner. But um, I think with we'll Warner, it's just going to be so key whether he does bat at three or not. Uh, I think it would, like you said, I think it would be absolute madness to bat him at three, but it looks like that's what they may end up doing. Um, I'm sure whenever he comes in, he's just going to blast it to all parts. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it, if he does open, he's definitely one to look out for, David Warner. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned Bearstow there, actually, because I've certainly picked him as my leading run scorer. I just think having the the opportunity to bat in the top two uh, against the the white ball when it's new, which actually flies harder and further with only two men back as well, it's the best time to bat, and you've got, you've got the potential to bat the whole innings. And it's just Bearstow's just playing. So well, through, he's playing so well. He's just playing through the line. Yeah. He's he's not one to ramp and scoop. Hmm. And he just that innings at Bristol, he was just. I mean, it was ninety five percent leg side, but it's it is clean hitting, clean yeah. swiping through the through it the is. line of the ball. It's just orthodox shots, yeah. actually. Uh, did you see how angry he was when he was out? And I think <laughs> you know, which shows two things for me. One is that he's hungry for runs but also I think he saw an opportunity there to record England's best individual one day score he got out for 130 he only only needed another 50 and I think they needed 100 to win so he had the potential to get a double 100 for England in a one day game exactly and he told us afterwards I I was thinking of the first double 100 for England there and he, he felt like he was in the position to get it and that's he said why he was so furious with himself and took a Chris Broad style swipe at the stumps when he was out but I mean he, he's got every chance as all of these opening batsmen do of, of hitting 
huge scores in this uh, in this tournament. So nicely segueing into England's chances of winning the World Cup, which must be better than they've ever been, really, despite the fact that their win ratio over the last four years is marginally less good than India. But their record in terms of winning series has been absolutely astonishing. They have occasionally fallen down in like knockout situations, like obviously the Champions Trophy semi-final two years ago against Pakistan, but I just feel their resilience now, their depth, the introduction of people like Jofra Archer, just to give them a bit more of a cutting edge, just means they're, they look almost invincible. They do. I mean, that's going to put the commentator's curse on it, isn't it? But that... <laughs> They, they, I said almost. Almost, almost, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Caveat it. Um, they, they do. They, they've got so many runs in them that it almost doesn't matter how their bowlers play because they're either going to have set a target that's insurmountable or they're going to be coasting past a run chase of 359 with five overs to spare. I mean, it's just it's extraordinary what they've done to one-day international cricket over the last four years. And they're only getting better, which is the really scary bit. Um, they're hitting some mammoth chases. Just in the last three months alone, they've had their two biggest one-day chases um, against attacks. Which sure they're not top, 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 but the attacks of the West Indies and and Pakistan's the other day. They're good bowlers. They're high-quality bowlers, and they're just making them look like chicken feed. It's just extraordinary, and I don't I don't see it stopping. I I think it would take something monumental to derail England and it would it would require a, a semi-final collapse a, a, an abject batting failure which we see maybe once every 15 12 15 games that's the kind of thing I can't see them having any problems in the group stage they'll sail through it it's whether they have an off day with the bat in a knockout game that's the only way that they can't win this World Cup yeah I completely agree with you there Sam um, I think like you say England have been over the last few years while we've been trying to get with this scoring so quickly and getting these mammoth scores, actually scoring at a strike rate in the innings of 100, so averaging 300 every time they're batting, basically, which is ridiculous. In fact, their run rate is 6.25 in the last two or three years, which is the highest of any country. Yeah, but it's comfortably higher than than the the next two or three best. I did used to have slight worries about that day when they will all collapse, like what happened in the West Indies. But I think the consistency now, it's so hard to look past them for winning the tournament. So Sporting Index, we've got them priced 47.51. So they're quite comfortably favourites in that market. And like we've been discussing, the batting is just so powerful. Uh, our total tournament runs for England are over 3,000. Uh, so 2,995, 3,045 across the whole tournament. And so that's it, an average of just under 300 a game because there's 11 games if they get to the final. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it's hard to see them score. If they're batting first, it's hard to see them scoring less than 300 against any opposition, even the better teams. So that's definitely something to look out for. And they've basically changed the face of one-day international cricket in, in the last four years. So if they're in the top two in the group stages, they go to the first semi-final at Old Trafford, which actually might suit them better in a way because... It's a quicker pitch there, and with the array of quick bowlers they've got and hitters, that might suit them maybe better than Edgebaston for the other semi-final. It possibly might suit them. I mean, I think they'll enjoy playing wherever they're, they're playing. But of course, Edgebaston is the spiritual home of English cricket, having said that, with the, the crowd and everything. So I guess either is, is fine. I, really. I think, yeah, they'll be comfortable. They're playing one game in the group stage or around in uh, nine different venues all around the country. Um, I, you know, crowds are going to flock there. They're going to they're going to it is a home tournament, so they're going to have everybody pretty much on their side, maybe with the exception of perhaps games against uh, India and, and Pakistan, where you'd expect there to be a large contingent for, for those two countries. Um, so they've got everything, they've got momentum, they've got the ability, they've got the atmosphere, everything. Everything is in their Rashid, they've got Moen Ali. I suppose if Rashid gets injured, I'd slightly worry about. Uh, some of their middle overs bowling. I, I think he's a, a, a key man. And the other person for me we haven't mentioned, Butler, you know, of, of anybody in this tournament who I would least like to bowl at, it would be Butler. Because I know you can be killed by a straight hit by Chris Gale or indeed Andre Russell. Butler just has so many shots. You can't bowl anywhere to him. The, if you try and bowl those wide Yorkers, which is probably the, the only ball you can bowl to somebody like Andre Russell, Butler will ramp it over the keeper's head for six. There was an amazing, uh, amazing graphic that came out on social media by one of the, uh, one of the cricket statistic companies the, the other day showing 
Butler's uh, strike rate in every single slot. And the only two places where he was going below 100 was one which looks like either a very wide bouncer yeah. or a horrible beamer, and one that was about four foot down the leg side at hip height. Off, off the Yorker length, he was going at 188. It's just... It's, it's just extraordinary what that man can do. Just stepping back into his crease and pummeling him everywhere. It's, it, it, he is insane. It's the only word I can use to describe the form he's in and the hitting ability he's got. Now, I'll tell you one quick story to finish. I played in a benefit match for John Embry in 2003, a long time ago, and there was a young little Irishman playing in that match who was 16, and I talked to him a little bit, and I said to him, what? What are you? What's your ambition? And he said, oh, "Well, I, I want to play for England eventually." And I thought, a bit of a brave statement as a sixteen-year-old. And he went out and batted in this benefit match against some quite good club bowlers at Chesham, and he knocked it around for a few singles. And I thought, well, you know, it looks okay, but I can't see him being an England player. And then suddenly, from nowhere, he boomed this massive on-drive into the trees over long on with absolutely no effort. And I thought. Mm, there's something there. And, of course, that guy was Owen Morgan. Owen Morgan has made it his mission over the last four years to win this World Cup for England, and I can't really see anybody deflecting him from that. OK, so I think we'll leave it there. Um, thank you to you, Will, for offering those uh, markets and, and advice on, on Sporting Index. Sam, big World Cup portal on the Cricketer Online yeah, at www.thecricketer.com forward slash World Cup yeah you have everything there from team previews uh, we've profiled every single one of the 150 players in the squads if you're going to games have a look at the ground guide section um, there's a fiendish quiz uh, let us know how you do and you can end up winning a free copy of the mag uh, there's our World Cup moments so we've got 50 of the, the greatest moments all, all written by some of uh, some of our staff writers um, and there's there's our free World Cup wall chart as well, which you can download, print off, stick on your wall and make sure that you're keeping up to date with everything that's going on. So, yeah, lots to look at for. So that's www.thecricketer.com forward slash World Cup. Great. OK, so don't forget to download that. And we all look forward to what could be an absolutely amazing tournament. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.